Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest uh, vodcast. And this is 3D imaging in the abdomen current status. And normally, if I was giving a talk on 3D imaging, it would be about four parts and take a couple hours. But this was a talk I gave literally like two days ago, so it will probably be several weeks. So I'll tell you, it was done on October 10th at the CT Society in Washington. And they gave me only about 15 minutes to speak on the topic. So let me tell you a little bit about it. And in a sense, I made the point that when you think about 3D imaging, there really is, in some sense, no change as to its purpose, right? The reason we did 3D imaging, even when we started, was we wanted to improve detection of pathology. We wanted to improve the accuracy of staging and detection of disease and improve patient management, whether it was surgical or non-surgical management. We know that one of the key things in terms of doing 3D imaging has been the rendering technique and the key thing about volume rendering, it came along and was developed at Pixar. And that's been really the strongest technique for the past three decades. And maximum intensity projection is also something we routinely use. Shaded surface display was the classic technique used to making poor images. And uh, the main reason it survived for a while was lack of computer power. And now, of course, we're also doing cinematic rendering, which is a form of volume rendering. And I'll mainly, in this talk, focus on cinematic rendering. We know the rendering technique is to provide an accurate display of the CT data in a form that's easier to understand. It needs to be accurate and not create any pseudo-lesions. It needs to be provided in a way that the user can understand the information and use the information. And ideally, the technique should help us optimize lesion detection, discrimination, and classification. If you go back to the original Pixar article, Bob Drebin, Lauren Carpenter, and Pat Hanrahan from Pixar. Bob is now at Apple, Lauren is at Pixar, and Pat is, has his own company, but also is a professor in computer science at Stanford. They spoke about the ability to look at different tissue types, the ability to have a lighting model. And one of the key things about volume rendering was the ability to do these shadowing, which allowed us to really get a good feel as to the three-dimensionality of the individual structures. Now, things was fairly stable for a while, but as computer processing got faster and cheaper, a good article by Crowe's looked at the point of perhaps instead of a single uh, light source having multiple light sources in the data set, and then being able to improve the visualization by having more light sources, which would help accentuate the different tissue types. And so you can see, for example, that we're looking at the pancreas here, but look how nicely we see the uh, celiac and SMA. Look at the splenic artery and vein going into the hilum of the spleen and the lobulations in the spleen. And if I change the image on your right, I now can show you the liver texture as well. So the ability to not only look at organ size, looking for masses, but the idea of looking for texture becomes very, very important to us. And the ability to change the parameters to optimize whether it's vessels or tissue, benign or malignant, will become very important. And here's one more example showing you nicely the look of the celiac, the GDA, the hepatic artery, the SMA, the areas of scarring in the patient's spleen. All of the visualizations very nicely shown. <clears throat> and again, I'm able to basically choose specifically what I want to look at. So. In saying that, 
when I think about the pancreas now, um, I not only think about size and shape, enhancement, structures, vassals, I think about texture. And that's going to become very important. So if you look at these videos, you can see that as we put the videos on, uh, you can see here I have a set texture, but now I'm showing you things, how I can rotate the data set, notice the GDA, notice the splenic artery. Uh, again, we can rotate. I have the liver relatively transparent. You can see the kidneys nicely as well as the renal artery and the vein. You can see that the vessels are really very translucent, and you can see into the lumen of the vessels. You see the branching of the SMA very nicely. So you can see the entire data set. Again, interactivity to me is very important. And then if we look at the second, same exact data set, but here I've changed the parameters a bit, made the liver a little bit more opaque, slight more opacity to the spleen and pancreas. Again, very nicely showing you the GDA as it goes around the head of the pancreas. Now this becomes very important because if I'm going to tell you that we're looking at texture, we need to make certain that we have some controls on the texture so that I can accentuate the presence or absence of disease. So for example, you look at this patient for a moment and you can see these scans are about four months apart. Unfortunately for this patient, the scan on the left, the patient had some symptoms, but it was read as negative. And if you look back really hard, perhaps, not really, but perhaps is there something in the body of the pancreas, maybe the pancreatic duct's a bit prominent. Look how obvious the tumor is four months later. Of course, the patient has liver metastasis and is not resectable. Should I have seen something earlier? Well, if I go back and stop the video, and pick the best two planes. Here's the tumor, early in the tumor late. You know, maybe the duct's a bit prominent. Is there some textural change? I don't know. Surely the people who saw it didn't call it, and I doubt if I would have called them myself. But if we look at the texture mapping, here you can see definitely there's abnormality in the body of the pancreas. And you can see I'm circling that abnormality. So it becomes very, very important to be able to see those textural changes. Look how early you can pick up the tumor. Of course, if you waited on the follow-up study, the tumor is much more obvious. The intensity of the tumor compared to normal gland is much more obvious. But again, we're speaking about early detection of disease, in this case, early detection of pancreatic cancer. So you can see why the texture mapping can become very important. Or in this example, in abdominal pain, this was felt to be pancreatitis. And you can argue, maybe there is some pancreatitis, but it looks like a mass there or at least you would say get a follow-up. But if you look at the cinematic, you can see the pancreas, but then look as down the lower portion of the head and uncinate, there's a solid mass there. There's a tumor, there's a cancer. And unfortunately, this cancer also invaded the patient's uh, branch vessels of the SMV. So the ability to see the textural changes and recognize the presence of tumor is one of the great promises we like to think about. And so in this case, when I'm looking at a 3D map, you can see I'm showing you the vessels. I'm showing you the infiltrating tumor in the body of the pancreas. It's encasing the portal vein, SMV confluence, and basically occluding that. You can see some of the collaterals. You also very nicely see the visualization of the patient's bowel. And here I'm just simply targeting that area of interest. Look how beautiful you can see those vessels. So this idea about cinematic rendering pushing forward, uh, this article by Linda Chu and Pam Johnson, new 3D rendering technique that produces photorealistic images, 
has the potential to more accurately depict anatomic detail compared to traditional 3D reconstructions and hopefully improve visualization of subtle tumors, differentiation of solid and cystic neoplasms, assessment of local extension and invasion, and visualization of metastasis. And I think we are beginning to do that, so it really is very exciting. And also, for non-radiologists, it does prove to be also very helpful in terms of communication and also speaking with the patients and also planning laparoscopic surgery or robotic surgery. Now, we are doing a lot of 3D imaging as part of the Felix Project, which is early detection of pancreatic cancer, supported by the Lust Garden Foundation. But you can see here, one of the things we do is looking at the shape of the gland. So this texture mapping not only gives you shape, but also texture. So that can be important. And if you look, for example, at this case, where there's a mass in the distal body and tail of pancreas, the CT are the slices. Ground truth is one of us uh, segmenting out the pancreas and tumor. The prediction is the entire gland, and the overlay is the computer separating tumor from normal tissue. And you can see how nicely it did it. We also, thinking about this global process, can look at the patient's mass in the pancreas. Again, you can find the mass with the deep learning. You don't need human interaction, we think. And then you analyze the mass. You do feature extraction. You're looking at shape and texture and multiple filters. You do analysis of the raw data and you look at things to try to understand specifically how different tissue looks, how different tumor types are, and we are getting incredibly good results on being able to do that with a greater than 90% accuracy. So I think what you're thinking about now is we're redefining how we look at 3D and how we look at the pancreas, adding not just the visualization, but a lot of additional parameters. And you can see in this example, the video shows very nicely the textual changes in the pancreatic gland. And then you look carefully in the tail of the pancreas as a solid one centimeter mass, which was a neuroendocrine tumor. Look how nicely you see the vessels, the pancreas, and the mass. And again, the ability to accentuate textures in this case becomes very, very important. Or in this next example, where there's a tumor in the body of the pancreas. Again, it's at the upper portion of the body, well-defined. And that's the look, not of a pancreatic cancer, which is low density. This is high density. This is a neuroendocrine tumor. Again, nicely, you're seeing the SMA and SMV. You're nicely showing the liver. You're showing the splenic artery. But you're really getting a very good look at that patient's tumor. And you can see, as I change the parameters, how you can accentuate the presence and visualization. So again, we want to look at the volume and we want to deal with the volume directly. Or in this example, where you can see what was missed initially was a one centimeter, or a bit under a centimeter, lesion in the pancreatic head. Again, a solid mass. Again, a neuroendocrine tumor. Look how nicely you see the celiac and hepatic and splenic arteries here. Just a very nice visualization of that. And again, as we look at the data set, you begin to become very, very comfortable with seeing the lesion, seeing the normal structures. And again, how we set the parameters is something I've been playing a lot of time with. I wonder if AI can define the best parameters for a specific case. Right now, I'm developing parameter sets, presets like I've always done. But the question is, can we do better than that? Can AI perhaps be the solution? And what is very complex data sets, and you can make many different visualizations. So that becomes very, very important to do this.
So in this case, same case, here I've changed the parameters, the bones and the vessels are more transparent. You see the obvious lesion in the region of the neck, body of pancreas. And you can see that really well seen there. And you can see it again as we look at the second map. Again, the ability to um, visualize and then take you know, videos of this becomes very important. I think clinicians are getting tired of just static images. If you can show the entire volume, and this is just a nice way of doing it, it can be very important. Again, slices is yesterday's CT. We still use it, but I think it's barbaric, and we need to do better than that going forward in the future. Now, I mentioned that, of course, I've now shown you a number of cases of pancreas, but it's not only pancreas. Look at this nice example of this cystic lesion, which is a gastric duplication cyst. And there it is with beautiful shadowing of the folds of the stomach. And here it is again, same image, but here I'm going to show you the video. And now we're going to be able to look at that mass, which sits in the stomach. You can see the shadowing of the mass, the shadowing of the mass till the posterior gastric fundus, the ability to look at the folds in the stomach, the ability to look in the antrum, it's all precisely there. The lighting model, the ability to see the mass, the texture of the uh, stomach, the shadowing in the fundus, the ability to look in the antrum. Again, th think about this. Now I'm just rotating the display. Look how nicely you can see all of the information. And again, um, the lighting model is very critical. And this is where the cinematic is particularly helpful. Now you can see in this case, there's a mass in the duodenum third portion. It's solid. You can see the textural difference between the mass, the pancreas, and the duodenum. Very nice adenocarcinoma. Again, textural mapping will help us with tumor detection and perhaps classification. Or this case where there are multiple enhancing lesions in the small bowel, celiac and SMA are well-defined. And if you look at the patient more carefully, you would have seen these multiple lesions, neurofibromatosis. So multiple vascular gist tumors in a patient with neurofibromatosis 1. Just a beautiful example. And then you can see this case where this patient hematuria muscle weakness. Look at the left kidney. You see those tiny little enhancing things? Those are actually aneurysms. Here's the kidney later on. Someone thought this was maybe pylo. I guess it could be infarcts. But when you look at the cinematic of the arterial phase, look at those multiple small aneurysms present, splenic artery, as well as the renal arteries bilaterally, as well as off the GDA. This is multiple small aneurysm. Here it's beautifully shown branches off the SMA. The jejunum and duodenum have multiple small aneurysms, nicely shown there, for example. Now I do want to make the point that it's beautifully shown on the shaded surface, um, it's beautifully shown on the uh, cinematics, not on the shaded surface, cinematic, but it could have been shown on the MIP imaging as well. So to be fair, uh, it does have certain advantages, but the other techniques, here you see the nicely, uh, the aneurysms in the patient's kidneys as well as the patient's branches of the SMA. So it's not always going to be better, but it does give you a really good visualization. And MIP can be very helpful, so when we do cinematic, we're still doing MIP. So the idea of really designing and optimizing becomes important. So future directions, I think I've developed about 120 protocols for cinematic. But you have to go through the protocols individually. Perhaps the computer could do better than me and give the best protocol for each case and each individual patient. 
We need this integration into a new display paradigm, combining cinematic rendering with radiomics and AI to create the next generation of CT interpretation. The looking at the axials, looking at the coronals, and maybe looking at the 3Ds is great, but we need to have more than that. We need to have different displays and lighting models, whether we're looking at texture or analyzing data, things are going to change. So when I think about it, I look at the next pancreatic exam, not axials and then coronal sagittals and maybe 3D, but we have the images, but we have texture mapping, radiomics, and deep learning. And I think this is going to help us with our accuracy, with decreasing error, and providing better patient management. And with that, have a great day.